Hello, Leadership Antidote Podcast family. So with everything going on, a question that I get both just in person at speaking events and with social media is when do you know that it's time to leave your current position? And so I'm really excited to have today's guest because we are talking about her new book, Crush Your Career, Ace the Interview, Land the Job, and Launch Your Career by Deanne Turner. Deanne is a 33-year veteran of Chick-fil-A Incorporated. Prior to retirement in 2018, she was Vice President of Talent and Vice President of Sustainability for Chick-fil-A. Selected as the company's first female officer in 2001, she was instrumental in building and growing Chick-fil-A's well-known culture and talent systems. During her long career, she worked closely with Chick-fil-A's founder, Truett Cathy, and other key leaders as an architect of their organizational culture. Turner was responsible for thousands of selections of Chick-fil-A franchisees and corporate staff members. Additionally, she led talent management, staff learning and development, diversity and inclusion, culture and engagement. Most recently, Deanne launched and led the sustainability function, focusing on Chick-fil-A's strategy to implement sustainable practices at the then $10.5 billion company. Today, she leads her own organization, Deanne Turner and Associates, writing books, speaking to over 50 audiences per year, and consulting and coaching leaders globally. She is the author of the bestseller, It's My Pleasure, The Impact of Extraordinary Talent and Compelling Culture. But today, we are diving into her new book, which was released today, March 2nd. It's called Crush Your Career. Ace the interview, land the job, and launch your career. Welcome to the Leadership Antidote Podcast. Here's your host, Dr. Kim. Hello, Dr. Kim. How are you? I am well. I am well. It's a, ple- it's a pleasure to be with you. I've really been looking forward to our conversation. Yes, thank you so much. And I, I have enjoyed your book. Um, I'm you. excited to get right in and and just... You know, I love the way that you take us on a journey from the very beginning to the very end of a healthy career. And 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 I say healthy because you talk about everything not being rosy. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Everything is it for anyone? Yes. And I think that that's an important mindset to understand that a good career isn't just one marked by success all the time. Exactly. Because we, we really learn the most, don't we, from mistakes and even even our failures. They, yes. they teach us a lot if we're willing to bounce back and be resilient and learn from them. Yes. Yes. And I mean, you, you've had an incredible career with Chick-fil-A. And, and I honestly... 
appreciate your generosity and sharing your wisdom. Because so often when people have had incredible success, they can be somewhat stingy with mm. the lessons. Mm -hmm. And you, you just, you know, you're like, here, this is what I did. Don't do what I did or do it this way. And yeah. I think that that's, that speaks to confidence and someone that is very secure in who they are and it, it deserves to be celebrated. So I thank you for that. Well, thank you. I, I you know, I feel like that's what I was created to do was uh, my path was to help others find their path. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it made sense to me that um, looking back and, and really I, I, that was so important to me. I thought about the people who worked for me that would read the book mm -hmm. and it's like, she didn't do that perfectly. It's like, yes, I'm the first one to know I didn't. And if I could go back now, I would do it this way. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and, and it's important to do that. And I love, you know, let, let's dive in where you talk about, I know that I was created to do this. And one of the things that struck me was when you talk about at eight, you knew you wanted to be a writer, but you didn't write your first book until four decades later. Yeah. So, so how did you hold on to that when, when, without getting so caught up in it not happening? Sure. Well, I had a lot of steps along the way. Mm -hmm. And um, really it was before I, I would say I published my first book, but I did a lot of things before I got to that point. But there were these inflection moments. Mm -hmm. And the first inflection moment, I was coming out of college. I'd studied journalism. I had these dreams that I was going to write right away, but reality hit. Mm -hmm. And there were a couple of realities. One, we were in the midst of a recession. Mm -hmm. Jobs were not plentiful. And secondly, um, and I couldn't make a living at doing that very well. I mean, they just didn't pay very much for that kind of work. And then secondly, I didn't have the life experience or knowledge that anybody was going to be interested in reading about what I had to offer. Mm -hmm. And I recognized that. And so what I did was like, okay, how can I use these skills? Well, I did what other journalism majors did. I went into advertising mm -hmm. and I went that direction and I worked for a small advertising firm and I really didn't like the culture of the business. Mm -hmm. And so long story short, I end up at Chick-fil-A and I'm actually applying for an advertising position, oh. go through a long process. <laughs> <laughs> and I get into this final interview with the vice president of human resources. And he says, well, would you like a job in HR? Because I have one that I think you would be a good fit for. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so anyway, he, he ends up offering me this job to work in HR. And I was thinking to myself, you know, that's really not the path I had in mind, but I'll do this for a couple of years and then I'll go back to work in marketing. Mm -hmm. And so a couple of years into it, I was, you know, I don't, I don't like that. I, I was in the right place at the right time, but it was also my path. And I mm -hmm. found out that I loved what I was doing and what I love was helping people find what they were supposed to do. And, uh, and I stayed for 30 years <laughs> <laughs> um, doing that very thing. So it, it stayed with me. And then 30 years into it, it was like, okay, now you have something to say. So I wrote mm -hmm. my first book. It's my pleasure. Uh, that was a lot about, uh, well, it was all about the culture at Chick-fil-A. And I followed that up with a, Really, it's a revised version of that. A new publisher bought the rights and uh, republished it with about 30% mm -hmm. more, more content. But Bet on Talent, which was my last book before Crush Your Career coming out. And Bet on Talent is all about how you create a remarkable culture and select extraordinary talent and win the hearts of customers, which is what I learned to do at Chick-fil-A. So I had a story to tell then. And see, I think that's 
that illustrates a very important point because I work with a lot of leaders that struggle with the concept of a dream deferred is not a dream denied. It doesn't mean that you won't ever do what you feel that you're being called to do. It's just things just aren't aligned for it to happen right now. But when things do line up and it does happen, it's incredible. And it's bigger than you could have ever imagined. Did you, when you dreamt of being an author, did you think you would have so many bestsellers and have three books? <laughs> I, I did not. I just wanted to, you know, I just wanted to write one. And and then, you know, we we went into, and the funny thing is, I have to tell you about this last book, Crush Your Career. I didn't even want to write that book. Um, <laughs> the pub, I had a contract to write too with the publisher. And after uh-huh. the talent release, they said, so what are you going to write about? And I gave them a bunch of different topics. I don't even remember, but they weren't this one. And uh-huh. so they kept pushing me to write this particular book. And this now think about this. This was in the fall of 2019 mm. when I was when I was really digging in deep to this book. And and I said, they don't need this book because this is 20 to 35 year olds, millennials and Gen Zers. They don't need this mm-hmm. book. I have a son, a millennial, my middle son at the time this was going on. He had been in his job six months and had already had three offers to leave his company. It's like they don't mm-hmm. need a book about about how to get a job, keep a job and launch their career. And they kept pushing me. Well, Kim, this book was the first draft went to the publisher on March the 20th, 2020. Oh, wow. So timing is everything. And it's like mm-hmm. and then I realized, oh, they're going to need this book. Mm-hmm. And so I always like to say somebody had a plan. I didn't. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And 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 one of the things you do talk about, because we, we need to revisit and there there's so many different things. Let me let me, die, you know, pick different ones to dive into. There's so many good nuggets in the book. Um, one of the things you talk about is calling, right? Mm-hmm. So I normally joke with clients. I call it the C word. I, I normally don't like it. I tense up when I see it. And I have to be honest with you, when I saw it in the book, I was like, oh, no, <laughs> but then <laughs> because because what I what I deal with with clients with burnout is you get clients that are so married to the calling, they don't differentiate the calling from the job mm. and they will be in a toxic work environment, just spinning their gears and they they just keep thinking this is my calling this is my calling so kudos to you because one of the things that you did beautifully was you encouraged us you encouraged readers to distinguish a job from a calling why is that so critical for a healthy career well cuz you certainly won't keep the same job i mean especially at this next generation i mean i stayed mm-hmm. in a job for 33 years but I think that'll be extremely rare. But my job was not the same as my calling. In mm-hmm. fact, um, when I retired from Chick-fil-A, somebody read this back to me at my retirement party. I wrote it in bed on talent. It says, someday I'll retire from my job, but I will never retire from my calling. It's something I will pursue all the days of my life. Mm. And so a job can be part of your calling. I mean, I, I was fortunate in that they were married up and that the job I had fulfilled my calling, but then I've gone to something else that's still fulfilling it too. It's just a wider audience. And, mm-hmm. and um, but sometimes people's job don't, doesn't fulfill their calling. So what do they do? Well, mm-hmm. they pursue that calling in other areas of their life. It's, it's through how they serve their community or they serve others, or, you know, um, maybe they write a book about what their passion is, you know, mm-hmm. but, it, but they, 
you know, not everybody uh, um, gets to pursue necessarily their calling in their job. We're fortunate when they marry up together. Right, right. Absolutely. And that's that's exactly what I, you know, what I encourage clients to do. I'm like, well, what what ignites your fire and mm-hmm. how can we create time for you to, to feed that flame, even if the job situation isn't ideal right now? So, so I, I breathe this sigh of relief after. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, you're exactly right. I mean, you can get caught up and, and it can be a reason you stay too long, too. You mm-hmm. think, oh, this is my calling. Mm-hmm. And um, not realizing that there are lots of ways to live out your calling and it's not a specific job. Yes. Yes. So true. Um, one of the nuggets you gave was you, you provided an interesting perspective about the first 90 days. Mm-hmm. And and I smiled as I read it because I think listeners need to hear it. The, the shift in the purpose of the first 90 days isn't always communicated. So what should we be doing in our first 90 days to increase our chances for success? Because it's not the warm-up period anymore. Oh, no. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it, you're expected to go in uh, going really fast. Well, mm-hmm. the first thing that I'm a big believer in, because I worked for an organization that had, you know, set, culture was so foundational to who they were. You've got to dig deep into the culture. You've got mm-hmm. to understand uh, what's going on in the organization and how it works and how things get done and how decisions are made. Um, so that's a, a, and I'm hoping that, I mean, for candidates that I select, I'm really hoping they know that before they get there. It's like, there's a lot of research in culture that you should be able to get before you get there. But when you get yes. there, you've got to dig deep into the culture and understand it quickly. Yes. I, I think the second most important thing is understanding the expectations of your supervisor. Um, and that sounds simple, but sometimes we just jump in. We think we know what the job is. We take that job description they gave us when we were interviewing and we jump into the job. But really sitting down and saying, what does success look like in this mm-hmm. role? What is it? You know, I know we talked about this in the interview, but let's revisit this. Let's make sure we have agreement. What do you want me to do in this first 90 days? What do you want yes. me to do in the first um, six months, in the first year? And and be and get that really clear and find out how how you're going to communicate and get feedback. Um, I think that learning professionalism, um, especially if it's the first 90 days of a job of a, a career job, if it's your first career job, that's really important too. What are the personal boundaries where you work? What are what's um, what are the behaviors that people are expecting? Um, from you. And so professionalism can mean some different things in different organizations. So just understanding how it fits in your organization. And and there's some other things too that I won't go into every single thing, but just highlighting, you know, not being waiting, not waiting to be told what to do, but actually mm-hmm. asking, what can I do to help you? That'll really differentiate you. Yeah. And if you make a mistake, own it. Yeah. And um, because it's when you're trying to hide it sometimes that um, that really gets you in a bind. Go ahead and own it, correct it, and don't make the same mistake twice. That's right. That's right. And and you and I have written job descriptions before, and we know that you know what you're expected to do within the first 90 days versus what's written in the job description. Job description is for the entire time that you're in the profession. This is what we hope or expect you to be able to do. <laughs> but within the right. first 90 yeah. days, 
it's helpful to sit down and communicate, okay, what are you expecting of me? And really articulating that so that everyone starts off on the same page. So I'm all about relationships and relational leaders. And I love that you have a whole chapter devoted to managing relationships um, because it's not just the competency, right? We, we've both worked with or encountered people that were brilliant, but they didn't know how to work with other people yeah. or they didn't know how to communicate it. And I love that you wrote healthy relationships begin with a healthy heart. What do you mean by that? Mm. Well, I started noticing this pattern. And honestly, it was some things I recognized in myself mm. early in my career. And what happens is that old saying, hurt people, hurt people, mm -hmm. which I believe is very true. And so if we have a hurting heart, it comes out in our behaviors and it comes out in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I saw it in myself and I, what I went to do is go, okay, I've got to have a healthy heart and the behaviors will change on their own. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened. And what happens is somebody gives us feedback about the behaviors and we start creating a, a checklist. Oh, I can change that. I can change mm -hmm. that. But it's not authentic and it's not real and it's not sustainable because you haven't solved the root problem. And the root problem is there's something in there that's not right about your heart. Um, and I, and I saw my, and then as I became a leader and I started leading people and I was noticing the same thing and had this employee in one day and, and she was really struggling um, with the way her employees were experiencing her. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to explain that to her and I was giving her examples and, and she did the same thing. She took out the notepad and she started making all the lists and I can change this and I can change that. And I just stopped her and I said, I don't know what it is. But there's a place that you're hurt. And this is why you're treating people that way. And if you'll go fix the hurt, you won't have to make any checklists. Yes. It, you'll start treating people the way you really want. You, this wasn't your intention. This was your impact. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you can change your um, you can change your intentions and try to do something different. But that doesn't mean the impact will change. And so that's what I mean by that. I think that's an insight that people really miss. They don't recognize and it can be minor, it can be major, mm -hmm. but whatever it is, it impacts your behavior towards others. And um, we get so focused on fixing the behaviors in instead of fixing the root of the, the problem altogether. And the thing about just fixing the behaviors is as soon as the stress comes back, you're going to mm -hmm. return to that previous behavior. <laughs> so exactly. it's really important to get to the root of, of what the issue is. And like you said, it's a heart issue. It is a heart issue. Um, I love how you talked about preparing for a promotion or a new opportunity. So let's talk about the Harvard Business School story. <laughs> so you had a freshman in college, a freshman in high yes. school, and a nine-year-old. And this opportunity yes. requires you to be away for nine weeks. And, yes. and, and I know I have a lot of, of really talented listeners who struggle with juggling the, the other aspects of yourself. You may be phenomenal at what you do, but there's still a whole other part of you. And I read that story and my mama heart just left. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It, it still does when I think about yeah. it. <laughs> yes. You know, how did you, how did you navigate that? Clearly it worked out, but, 
but how would you tell, if you could go back and speak to Deanne at that time, what would you tell her? <laughs> well, to start with, I, I, you know, the, I didn't tell this part of the book, <laughs> which is that our organization had been sending people to this program for several years, but a woman had never gone. And I pointed that out. <laughs> and then the next thing I know, it's like, well, guess what? <laughs> You're going. Oh. And, you know, it was one of those things that I could, I could have said no, but you know, we really can't say right. that, right? right? So that wasn't an option. Um, I, you know, I look back and I was, um, so hard on myself mm -hmm. because it, especially leaving that nine-year-old mm -hmm. because that that's an eternity to a yes. nine-year-old is nine weeks yep. and this was before this was in 2009 so we we had some technology that we have now but we didn't have FaceTime we didn't I mean we could do computer calls but they were a little archaic mm -hmm. and they weren't as popular as now mm -hmm. um, but looking back on that it's just you've got to you've got to look at the whole picture and you've got to give yourself some grace and recognize that you're harder on you um, than they are. Mm -hmm. And that, um, and I think that's, as I look back on that, it's like, just, just give yourself a little grace. You were doing the best you could in all the areas that you could mm -hmm. and um, not, not beating up so much about, well, I, I, you know, I should have been there for this, or I could have been there for this, but I was doing, you know, the opportunity that I had in front of me at the time. And, and now what I can see, Kim, that I couldn't see then is the impact on my kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it had an impact on my job, but I mean, a positive impact on my kids. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a son who's a, a junior at Wake Forest now. Mm -hmm. And we talk about, he does case studies that I did at Harvard. And we talk about them. Mm -hmm. And it's like his mom can connect to, you know, <laughs> what he, what, what he's having the experience with. So at the time we can't see how all those pieces fit in. We're thinking, Oh, I'm really missing out on something. But, um, but years later I can see how they do fit in. And um, I like to say a lot, don't despise the path. Mm -hmm. You know, you just cause you don't understand it. Don't despise it. It has purpose. Yes. Hmm. Thank you. Thank you for that. So this, this segues perfectly into the diversity talk, right? So, you know, being the only one, being the first female um, in leadership to go to that experience. Um, I'm sure we could go all day exchanging stories <laughs> from our careers with, with, you know, being the only one. So how do we navigate that experience as an employee? And how do we navigate that experience as a leader? Mm. They might, in my perspective, might speak to both, actually. Okay. And the way I felt about those things is that they weren't, um, while I was grateful, they weren't honors or privileges. They were responsibilities. Mm -hmm. And so the responsibility that I felt in that situation is to make sure that someone else had the same opportunity for the future, mm -hmm. that, that I, I managed myself both as an employee and as a leader in such a way that um, I inspired others um, to make new paths, mm -hmm. um, go beyond anything I ever did. Mm -hmm. um, and as a, um, so it, as a, as a role model for that, but also that it was great responsibility. Mm -hmm. And 
um, being sure that I navigated it in such a way that others would be able to follow behind me. Mm-hmm. So it's okay to be the first, just make sure you're not the last. I think somebody has said yes. that recently. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I love uh, the phrase in your book, change is my friend and I will embrace it. And um, I was so excited when you talked about the leadership rotation program. I was like, yes, because for millennials, especially millennials, Mm. they want companies to do that for them. They want that. And, and, you know, I, I often use the analogy of my son, I call it the crayon story. So when he was three, he had a teacher that um, said to us, you know, Blake's, Blake needs to learn how to, you know, color in the lines. And I didn't know any better. I was a new mom. Um, you know, I, I went out and I bought him all these coloring books and, and I was like, okay, the teacher says he needs to learn how to color in the lines. And he's, and he's, and my son was not interested. I have a Taurus baby. I mean, (laughs) he was not, he is a a little bull through and through, Uh and he was not interested in holding a crayon. And then finally we had one of those days and I gave up, he gave up and he walks over and he picks up his tablet and he goes to the paint app on his tablet and he, you know, he creates this incredible piece and he brings it over to me and he shows it to me as if to say, I can color just not that way. Um, and I always think I always use that analogy when I speak to leadership teams, because I'm like, you have such talent right here, but you have to meet them where they are. Yeah. And, and leadership rotation programs tap into millennials learn at a speed that we're not accustomed to. Um, historically they 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 grasp things much faster and they like for things to move very very quickly um i always watch even with social media as the the length of videos for maximum interaction or engagement it gets shorter and shorter every year yeah <laughs> yes. yeah i think we're down to a 45 yes. seconds now <laughs> you know so um, talk about a leadership rotation program. So for a listener listening that, that's curious about that, what is it? What are the benefits of it? So this, uh, you're exactly right. Uh, and this millennials, you know, they talk a lot about when's my next promotion, mm-hmm. but sometimes for them, that's the only way they know to communicate. When's my next opportunity yes. to grow? Yes. And that's what they're really yes. saying, but they, they recognize it as, you know, when is my next promotion. So this is so very, and very important. And, and actually Chick-fil-A now is doing this really well. Mm-hmm. We were an organization that didn't move people around. It was working. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's not broke, don't fix mm-hmm. it. And so, you know, what millennial, like I stayed in the same leadership position for over 20 years, what millennial would want to do that these days? <laughs> and is that really good for an organization? Right. Probably mm-hmm. not. So And then if you're fortunate enough to have an organization full of people who stay with you for a long time because you have a strong culture, then you've got to figure that out. So um, leadership rotation is the opportunity to swap leaders. To um, And and what you're really teaching is this. You're going from this idea that the leader is the subject matter expert Mm -hmm. to the leader is a leader. Mm -hmm. And if you have leadership skills, 
You don't have to be a subject matter expert. So this is what happened in my situation. Here I had grown up in my role, literally going from hourly employee to VP of the of the function. Mm -hmm. It had grown from a few people to a hundred and something people mm -hmm. during the time that I was there. I had done every job in that department. I knew how it worked. I could do it with my eyes closed. Now we could go to some of the things. There are a lot of benefits to that. There are downsides to mm -hmm. that. Um, and so, you know, it was time for fresh talent to do what I was doing. And then, it's like, but what are you going to do? Because this is your subject matter expertise. Mm -hmm. So we had a new function, social responsibility and sustainability. Well, as I like to tell people, I wasn't even a very good recycler mm -hmm. at the time. Mm -hmm. And I hear I'm going to go lead sustainability. Now I became a good recycler. <laughs> I just want to say that. Um, I became sustainable, but, um, but I had to go in and lead a team of people who didn't choose me and I didn't choose them, which was different because I had selected every member of my team and talent, and they had chosen to work for me. So we start there. So I had to use every leadership skill in the toolbox mm -hmm. in order to um, in order to lead this team. And I had to trust the experts mm -hmm. because I wasn't an expert. I didn't know what, I, I mean, they taught me a lot, but in the length of time that I had left in my career, there was no way I could learn everything there was to know about social responsibility and sustainability. I had to trust my team. And so it's such a huge benefit. Not only is it variety and stimulating and so forth, but if you want to develop somebody's leadership skills, say all you have is leadership skills, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, influencing people, um, good performance management, setting expectations, setting goals, holding people accountable. Those are good leadership skills, mm -hmm. right? And that's what I had to do. Oh, and of course, advocating and removing barriers and obstacles. But probably trust was the greatest mm. thing I had to learn. It was probably, I didn't realize it before, it was a weakness. And I really had to grow in my trust levels um, because that that's all I could do. Because they were telling me what we needed to do. And I used all the data I could to make good decisions. But at the end of the day, I had to trust my team. And so I think that, I think leadership rotation, to be able to go in and, and if you want a leader to really grow exponentially quickly, which is what our organizations need right now at the rate of change, then put them in a situation where they really have to use those skills and they can't rely on their personal knowledge. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. And so that, that segues perfectly into my next question. So transitioning from doing to leading. Mm. <laughs> Um, and, and, and so why do you think leaders struggle with that? Well, because if you think about it up until the point that they became a leader, they really probably received a lot of recognition for the doing. Mm -hmm. They were great doers. And so they, they received a lot of recognition and, and, you know, I, one of my problems was, and I didn't, I didn't really believe this. But I behaved in a way of, well, they can't do it as well as I can. Mm -hmm. and, and what it meant was they were going to do it differently. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't accustomed to somebody doing it differently. And so as a leader, that's part of the growing part is I'm going to delegate it. I'm going to realize they're not going to do it exactly the way I would do that. But that's okay because it's probably time for a change. It's time to do something in a different way to get different results, potentially better results. And so I think that that's the biggest, but I think the biggest thing is this idea of recognition and just we're comfortable in what we mm -hmm. know. And when, when it's, um, as we go into leading and we're not the doer anymore, 
um, it's a whole different skill set. And oftentimes, unfortunately, people are promoted because they're great mm -hmm. doers, when in reality, they need to be promoted because they're great leaders. And see, that that requires a culture shift, because that's that's an entire mindset, right? Our promotion mm -hmm. mechanisms, so we, we work so hard and, and you can help me with this because your background in HR, we work mm -hmm. so hard to quantify what people are doing and leadership because there's so many soft skills involved. How do you quantify that and, and objectively measure leadership? Mm -hmm. it, it's hard. And, and again, it's something that um, in my later days in Chick-fil-A, they've done this really, really well and that they recognize this need that for years we promoted people because of great competency in the mm -hmm. task and what the organization was going to need going from when I started at Chick-fil-A, we were a $175 million company. When I left, we were 11 and a half. Mm -hmm. And so the growth and, and just what had happened from going from 1 billion in 2001 to um, 11 and a half billion in 2018. Mm -hmm. I mean, that kind of mm -hmm. growth demands this, um, that leaders um, do things differently. So we had to evaluate and move people. We, we, we had to find the leadership gems in the organization. Mm -hmm. Some of them were three or four levels down, but they weren't getting noticed. So how do you do that? So we, we implemented this leadership review process and we used a nine box um, that really measured performance and leadership. And we identified very carefully all the skills that we were looking for in the leadership profile. And so it it built from, you know, this, the, leaders at the lowest, um, lowest is not really the word I mean mm -hmm. to use, but the, um, the lowest level of the organization and built up to the next level of leadership and the next and, and pushed up till finally the executive committee was reviewing potential leaders for all the next senior level positions in the organization and, and, and so on. And so um, that really, that changed things for them. It helped them in a lot of areas. One of the areas it helped them in is diversity. Mm -hmm. Because it, it, it helped get those people who were down in the organization, get their skills noticed and really brought to the table and discussed. And it helped them find people that had genuine leadership skills, not just the folks that had more visibility or had the, um, you know, the reputation for performing very well in the mm -hmm. task. And so you have to be intentional and create a system for doing it. And they dedicate a tremendous amount of time to what I'm talking mm -hmm. about. These are this is just a um, you know the time and expense they have devoted for this. But I think they're seeing the payoff now. Um, it's continued to really again uh, increase their leadership capacity and competency, mm -hmm. and I think it's really impacted their diversity um, as well. Mm. Wow. Well, you certainly gave us a lot to think about in this episode, and I hate that we are out of time, but but please, uh, first of all, thank you for, again, just being every bit of who you are and being so generous with your knowledge and your experiences. Um, but how can listeners get in touch with you? Well, there's lots of different <laughs> ways. First of all, my my I, I want to direct your listeners because I'm releasing this brand new mm -hmm. book to go to crushyourcareerbook.com. Mm -hmm. And um, they can, there's a lot to find out about me there. My, my It'll also take you to my website, dnturner.com. And then follow me on social media. I love to connect on LinkedIn. 
And then also my Facebook author author page, which is at Deanne Turner Author, Instagram at Deanne Turner, and that's D-E-E-A-N-N Turner, and Twitter at Deanne Turner. Yes, yes. Well, thank you again. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And um, what is one, if you could wrap up one last phrase that you could leave with listeners, what would it be? One last phrase. Um, So we're in quite a time of change. Lots is happening out there. And so this is the last phrase I'd leave you with. If you find yourself with a disappointment, realize that you're either being protected from something that wouldn't be the best for you, or you're going to be provided something better. So keep the hope. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed our conversations. Just been yes, likewise, likewise. You take care. All right. All thank right. you. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, share, and comment. You can also head over to www.drkimhires.com to learn about additional ways to connect with Dr. Kim. Join us next time to get another dose. Thanks for listening. <laughs>